Welcome to Cycling Fashion Week, the world's only podcast about cycling style, fashion, aesthetics, design, whatever. I don't know. Now, you might be wondering why why I, Warren, is uh, doing the intro today, and that's because we have a very special episode, and we have not one, but two guest hosts joining me, partly so we could actually finally record an episode again. Uh, but actually, we've wanted to get these two guys on the show as guest hosts for quite some time and just haven't been able to make it work for various reasons. But they are here, and I am excited to uh, have our two guest hosts today, Nick and Jake. Um, we're going to keep the uh, the first name only vibes going, even though I think a lot of our listeners have figured out the last names of at least a couple of us. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Nick and Jake. Uh, I, I race on their their uh, cycling team. That's how we kind of know each other. But Jake is also a bike sales guy, I'll call him. And he works at uh, the local Trek store, which I'm sure uh, our listeners will be surprised to know that we actually speak to somebody who works for Trek. He also is a contributor to Canadian Cycling Magazine as a writer. And he's also the original Ontario Cyclocross podcaster. How many years ago was that? Oh, that was back in I want to say 2019. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on, Warren. Very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, what what can I say? I mean, Tony couldn't make it. I think I think someone started to go fund me for Alex to get him a microphone. <laughs> I mean, you know, me and Nick are more than happy to be here. And uh, yeah, it's a it's about time. Like you know, like you said, Nick is I'm going to call him a world famous uh, cycling photographer. He also is a contributor to Canadian Cycling Magazine and other outlets for cycling photography, but he's actually like a photographer for real. Like he makes money somehow doing that. Welcome. Welcome, Nick. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Big fan of the show. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. No, you've called before. You've complained about our audio quality to me politely. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're a first time caller. You've called me a lot about that. And I needed to make sure that my audio was pretty good, but mm. I'm sure somebody will have something to say about it. Oh, yeah. Feedback is a gift. It's great. As I mentioned, the three of us race on the same or, or ride for the same team uh, here in Ontario. It's your team. That's why I said your team, because you guys, I believe you guys started it as my been around for a long time is it what is it 10 years now we're we're 10 years this year uh i, I you know using the uh using the, the my term is a little little weird not gonna lie i feel like it's you know it's a collective group but yeah i mean i started actually in year two and uh you know eventually got sucked onto the board and um yeah here we are just finished a successful 2023 cyclocross campaign where we traveled uh, to exotic locations like mm. uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Well, outside of Madison, sorry, uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin, and uh, Rochester, New York. So yeah, I mean, hey, uh, Lantern Rouge. I mean, you know where to find us. I don't think they do. I don't think I've ever mentioned the team by name. But oh my god, is yeah, that first? Uh, oh, yeah, I think so. So look up the team on Instagram and TikTok. Even is there TikTok? Twitter too? I think yeah. Twitter X whatever. Oh whatever. yeah. We're big on TikTok. I, I will say, I will acknowledge that there's also that podcast, Lantern Rouge. We're different and I think existed before. Yeah, the Instagram handle is at we are the Lantern Rouge. If you want to look them up, uh, you guys are pretty good at making content. If I do say so myself, there's some that I'm in content of that, I, you know, unfortunately, maybe you can check out the team if you want. But that that's how we, uh, it's not just me. Tony also knows Nick and Jake and so does 
Uh, Italian Alex is also on the team as well. Universal Alex does not know these guys, but that's because he lives in Montreal and we may never hear from him again. We don't know. Anyway, we wanted to bring these guys on a while ago just to add more hosts to the rotation because Italian Alex is, you know, throughout winter, he basically is on Zwift 24 hours a day doing zone two. He's not available and Skylar's too busy training to like be an actual racer. I will say that Italian Alex is the Lantern Rouge's most uh, promising prospect. Oh, for sure. Easily. Uh, I did, in fact, through a screenshot on Be Real, I did see his FTP and it was uh, it was actually pretty impressive. So I, I won't disclose that information here on the show, just at, at risk of, uh, you know, making him feel uncomfortable. But uh, got to say, Alex, you're doing great. Good work, buddy. That said, he also recently informed me he doesn't do FTP tests, though. He just he like takes what Strava tells him and puts that into he just raw dogs it. Eh? Yeah, my Lord. OK, so I just I take all that back. Yeah. That's terrible. If it's if it's the Garmin FTP, it's probably not super accurate. As someone who's just come off a F- uh, ramp test like half an hour ago and I've got like the cross lung and then I went cross-eyed like, come on, Alex, come on. Let's see. You, let's see you do a ramp test live on the show. So when I said we have a special episode, it's really only that Jake and Nick are here. Otherwise, the, the content's going to be mostly this our normal format. You know, we're going to talk about some news items that we've missed. Um, and then, of course, we'll do Into the Canal. And we're also going to rate a bike finally again because we have a pretty sizable backlog of bikes that we haven't rated in a long time and yeah that's kind of it do you guys have anything to add before we before i play that uh free hub noise just uh the same hot takes i think jake's gonna bring some fire not to put you know put me on the spot but but as as warren mentioned as a uh, a trek salesperson um again just naming all the names you know i've got I've, I've seen some things um i mean i won't be commenting on our on our terrific brand necessarily but uh I've I've been around long enough to have some takes. We'll we'll say that. Also, if you live in the Toronto area, Jake probably has some great deals on some treks right now. Can let me just let me shout out the fact that the bike boom is very much over, <laughs> and whatever the reverse of that is here. So uh, if you want a great deal, yeah, come on in. This is just going to turn into a used car dealership ad right now. Yeah, you don't even need a a gift code that we we no. have in the podcast. He'll just give you just my name. Yeah, literally. Just, just say I'm here to see Jake. I hear he'll sell me a bike for cheap. Done. I'll attest to that because it absolutely works. Jake just sold me a $8,000 mountain bike that I'm going to ride for about six hours this summer. And I'm super excited about that. And I mean, I was hesitant to disclose that information on this podcast because I know it could get me banned for life. But Mm -hmm. um, I'll let you know that this thing is not going to get ridden much at all. To keep the spirit of the, the podcast alive. Jake had a great deal on a Trek Crockett when I was looking at a new cross bike last year. And instead, I spent almost three grand on a standard frame. <laughs> so to be fair, I think I think I think it was a boon. And we all know how you feel about carbon bikes. Um, I think I think that the listeners are pretty tired of your 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 carbon takes at this point. But hey, I mean, I, I ride a boon, I debatably race a boon and I haven't broken it yet. So I think I mean, one day you'll come around back back to carbon. I have I have hope. All right, now for our news segment where we talk about new product releases, uh, general cycling news that we find interesting or that relates to, you know, our vague theme of aesthetics and design. This first item just relates to the fact that we hate SRAM, uh, and that is that SRAM issued uh, a recall for brake levers recently. And, you know, we obviously talk a lot about how SRAM sucks at 
front derailleur shifting and we think it's really trash uh even though it looks pretty good it looks better than shimano arguably but the functionality is just nowhere near good and now apparently uh your brakes don't work so you can't shift if you have two by and the brakes don't work jake do you have any inside information on this working in a bike shop on the on this recall First of all, first of all, I got to walk some of that back because you saying that SRAM, okay, first, I mean, I'm a SRAM apologist, admittedly, mm-hmm. I might be the first guest host on the show who is admitted to uh, being partial to uh, said brand's components, but but saying out front that we think SRAM aesthetically is better than Shimano just seems like quite the hot take. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, those hoods, just like some, there's just a lot going on there, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll walk that back and, and I'll, I'll maybe readdress that at some point. Jake, think- have you ever listened to this podcast? Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd like to point out that Jake should have prefaced this by saying he's a witch. I don't even know if he has a bike that has Shimano on it. Like Ooh. it's, tr- I mean, it's been too hard to find. You can't, your Klein you can't is campy. Yep. Your cross bike is SRAM. Sh- like, yep. I mean, I don't know. You have a con- conflict of interest here. Well, admittedly, the the one bicycle uh, that I do ride that with Shimano is um, is a, a giant TCR with you know a Durace nine thousand, which is debatably, in my opinion, the second best group that Shimano's ever done aesthetically and uh, performance wise. But I mean, I mean, let's 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 get back to this recall here, and and really what it is, it's an aftermarket recall. So if you bought a bicycle with SRAM on it, you're not affected by it. It's an aftermarket recall if you purchased these brake shifter levers on their own the recall is addressing the fact that too much loctite was applied to the band clamp of these shifters so what people apparently have done or have not done is use the inappropriate amount of torque to to tighten their shifters down thus making them too loose and and having them you know ride off into a canal Listening to all that, that's good for you, not for me. Like, I think that's too long, didn't read. I think that this gives the Cycling Fashion Week listeners an opportunity to just try to take their SRAM back. Like, don't listen to what Jake said. Just be like, I heard there's a recall. These are ugly. They don't work. Take them back. Like, I think this is a great opportunity for everybody to do that. If you're listening to this podcast, you got SRAM, go into the shop the next day. Like, I heard there's a recall. Just take them. Honestly, don't come to my shop for that. I mean, I, uh, I I provide fantastic hospitality, but uh, I mean, I, I will try my best not to take your bike back. Jake was being real nervous with all of his uh, SRAM apologist takes just now. Like, man, we might have made a mistake letting him on here. The next thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, we haven't really talked about too many of the new uh, team kits this year. I'm not really going to do that right now, but we did want to talk about a specific part about uh the new ef kit and the new aero helmets they are wearing um both on men's and women's teams for i mean i thought it was going to be time trial only but apparently they're wearing them at actual road races too and you know so yeah again we're not going to talk about the ef kit which as usual looks good so i mean no surprise there but this helmet from pock it's got to be the one of the, the ugliest helmets I've ever seen. Um, we'll post a photo to our Instagram with the episode, but it, yeah, it looks like an arrow helmet, but it looks even more ridiculous in a road race because it looks like it almost covers your eyes. It's got a built-in visor. It goes over your ears. It, assuming they're wearing the right size, looks like it's too big. And then when you take off the 
visor from the helmet, it looks the, it's the most mushroomy helmet that Pac has ever made. I am not afraid to say that. And yeah, I, uh, we just wanted to talk about them because they are they give those uh, new Ineos cask ones, which I think the internet went a bit angry about recently. The cask helmets that the Ineos Grenadiers are wearing because they covered the ears. These are way worse. The black tab that covers the ears is like separate from the pink. So it doesn't even look like part of the helmet. You know, as we always say on this podcast, like performance doesn't matter, aesthetics or everything. And the fact that they're wearing them outside of time trials is just insane to me. What are you guys thoughts on on these uh, new POC helmets that the EF teams are wearing? Okay, maybe I'll push back on your performance thing because the, the the way I found out about these helmets was because the EF women's team won a stage in this race. I don't remember what race it was. The woman who won the stage was wearing one of these aero helmets. It was a road stage. And you could see the EF riders in the background. They're all wearing normal POC road helmets. Mm-hmm. And then a couple days later, another stage of this same race, this Canadian won. And I was just looking at the news, this Canadian one wearing the same arrow helmet. You see in the background, all of her teammates are wearing this road POC normal helmet. So uh, there's something going on. Like maybe it's like, if you wear this helmet, you get to win the stage. Like, I don't know if there's some internal discussion about it. I just thought it was so interesting that none of the teammates, like when they had the group photo at the end, it was the Canadian woman that won the stage and then all the teammates wearing a completely different helmet. And I just have no idea how that happens it's a good point i mean who knows maybe they you know sit around and uh and and pick names out of a hat for whoever wants to look the most insane on the finish line but but you can't you can't deny that it it has it has produced uh, results and i mean at the end of the day it kind of looks like you know the old wayne gretzky jofa lid like it looks like a hockey helmet and i mean like as an aside like pro cycling you know outside if you were to show up in this helmet on a local group ride like if, if i can't see your ears i just i can't trust you i don't know what's in them i don't know where they are it's just it's off-putting without the visor on it actually looks insane like it looks like some sort of nhl enforcer from the 80s mm-hmm. like i forget who what photo i saw and, and it's even inset you can see where the magnetic tabs attach like i almost preferred the giro air attack from what was that almost 10 years ago where you could get the magnetic visor that mm-hmm. clipped on that looked like you know an old school super cycle helmet i remember jeremy powers racing that at, at cyclocross nationals and actually thinking it was cool side note i actually went on a group ride last year where somebody was wearing that giro air attack helmet and it was probably me <laughs> this group ride is it, it's it's called the mullet and it's a bunch of uh, the local uh, West End Hills in Toronto. Basically, you smash all the climbs and then regroup. And this guy wore an arrow helmet to that, which was, I mean, to judge a book by its cover in terms of judging a kit and how their bike handling skills are going to be. But I was correct in that, man, that guy, I don't want to be, be uh, on that guy's wheel. And I was right. I'll just leave it at that. I think it could have been Jake. If there's snow on the ground, Jake's got that helmet on his head. That's his winter helmet. I love that helmet. I mean, an aero helmet is a warm helmet. And you, when you really think of it, I mean, yeah, we're not talking about performance, but we're talking about comfort. We're talking about insulation. And I mean, I bet you that EF helmet is like, you know, on a beautiful February day in Toronto is going to is going to do what it's got to do. I'm not I'm not endorsing it by any means. I don't know. Even if they, you know, do another crazy collab with Palace or something for the Giro or whatever, like there's no like that aero duck helmet they had with the Palace collab was awesome. Like, yeah. You throw a duck on this, it's still going to look really... Yeah, 
you're going to use that helmet in a time trial. Like that's just bound to happen. So you may as well flash it up, whatever. It's when you, uh, it's these bad habits. When you creep out of the time trial with the old arrow helmet on, who knows what's going to happen, you know? Apparently you win a race. Well, I guess. I mean, the next step is the little neck sock that they started wearing, which is absolutely bonkers. I mean, don't, let's not get started on that. I don't know if we ever talked about that, but yeah, it was horrible. Anyway, well, I'm sure we're going to see more of them. Just throw it out. Buy a Trek, <laughs> buy a Trek helmet. Buy, buy a Trek ballista. Oh, God. <laughs> In a similar vein, Asos has uh, released a new skin suit to the, uh, to the public. And you may be wondering why we're talking about skin suits on Cycling Fashion Week, because that's an arrow piece of kit and who cares? Well, the reason we're talking about it is because in classic Asos fashion, it costs $7,000 to buy at retail. It looks like a skin suit. It doesn't look particularly different to me in any noticeable way. Like I'll throw photos on Instagram and, you know, it just looks like another skin suit. The the model's wearing uh, the, the Swiss team, has a scooped neckline. I'm sure, you know, the justification for the price is something to do with the materials. I, I think we posted a story about it on Instagram and I got a DM saying like, oh, it's just because they have to make these products available to the public in order to use them, blah, blah, blah. No one's really going to buy it. It's like, yeah, no one's going to buy it. It's $7,000. I mean, aside from a couple of dentists, no one's probably going to buy this. It is called uh, the Phenoc, F-E-N-O-Q. So I've probably butchered that. And it will be available as a single... Uh, single suit starting at a lower price of around three grand Canadian or as a pack, which includes 100% custom garment and includes overshoes. So the starting price for that option is the $7,000 price tag. And Asso says the suit has been engineered and tested in the wind tunnel as well as UCI world tour races. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. If you're going to charge $7,000 or something, I would hope it has won the tour. It has whatever... Um, it says the fabric features a quote unquote skin grip finish, twin deck sleeves and a back panel. Okay. Yeah. Whatever that means. Even for ASOS, like this is a pretty astronomical price. And I think as I wrote on Instagram, like if you're going to be charging those prices, you need to bring back ASOS, man. I'm going to be straight with you guys. Um, I haven't looked at this thing yet because if my internet history ever gets leaked, like I don't want that on there. But I'm wondering, like you said, Warren, um, is this a thing that they have to make available to the public if they want to use it in the Olympics or whatever? Like, does Jake, you might know more about that. Is this a real thing? So uh, the, the, the legislation or the ruling around it is that on an Olympic year, the product needs to be made available at the beginning of the year. So I think this mm-hmm. is why uh, this is why we're, we're, we're reading about this now. Um, the technical term, I believe, uh, that ASOS is using is chronosuit. Uh, which also sounds like something that I don't want on my uh, browsing history, but I have I've Googled this thing into oblivion. It sounds like you can't even really order it yet. You can submit a form saying I'm rich enough that I want this. Um, so I'm hoping it's going to become available for for when the midweek crit starts here locally. So so we you know we really get those those dads you know properly outfitted because really for seven thousand dollars. You want them to tailor around your gut. So, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about. I was about to ask if uh, the team was moving from Jackaroo to... Uh, to and on that us. note, we are, in fact, moving to Aspen. Oh, I, yes. I would love to wear a $7,000 skin suit for cyclocross. That would be amazing because I'd almost certainly ruin it in the first 
race because I crash in every race. I, I'd hope it includes some sort of like all inclusive package deal where you like fly to Geneva and you <laughs> you've got like a, a long weekend where you chat with some you know old tailor who takes all your measurements and compliments you and you get chocolate and a watch like i mean for that sort of dough um you're gonna you're gonna want to feel special you're gonna want to be feel like you're taken care of uh like you're getting a bespoke suit so we'll we'll see i feel like this is a developing story i think i think someone's got to reach out uh to try to get one of these and um and i mean maybe may, maybe we send italian alex to switzerland i don't know i mean that's i'm throwing that out there you gotta, you gotta get one to review for the magazine. Isn't the buyer's guide coming out? That's it. You know, it's funny. It was not in in the buyer's guide, which I find uh, quite upsetting because you know the Canadian market uh, really could use a seven thousand dollars skin suit. I think, uh, I think that's what we're lacking. This last item um, that we're going to talk about are some new uh, prototype pedals that I think I've honestly probably already been covered by. The Geek Warning Podcast. I know the Nero Show has mentioned them on a recent episode. What they are is these uh, new prototype pedals by the company. Uh, we we're debating how to pronounce this. Ecoy, I think they're called. They've created a new pedal where that I, I think it's you know it's again it's all all about aerodynamics, right? So the majority of the pedal is recessed into the shoe. The pedal itself it almost looks like a giant like mountain bike pedal or something and it's very light i assume and i don't you know you can go to escape collective or listen to geek warning to or even listen to your show and they talk a bit more about what the aerodynamic event it seems pretty obvious there's less pedal in the air and blah 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 the reason i wanted to talk about it is because they look horrible and you basically it's a whole new interface so you can't use your existing cycling shoes with them. It's going to be a patented design that basically brands would have to buy the patent of, or sorry, lease the patent of and make models that were separate. So you'd have to have a whole separate shoe just use this pedal. Personally, looking at these pedals, I like whatever aero games there are, are not worth it. They look, like I said, giant mountain bike pedals. They look clumsy. I mean, I don't. I haven't heard anyone talk about the actual clipping in mechanism and how that would work. Um, I'm sure you know if it's for Arrow, they probably don't care that it is good or easy to use or anything like that. The one last thing to note is they've already been banned by the UCI before, basically almost before they've been used at all. I think there was they were spotted at the the tour down under. That's the best way I can describe them. They they look like either like a skinny flat pedal, a skinny and long flat pedal, or just like a a long mountain bike pedal with like big open spaces. And yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about these? Yeah. Uh, aesthetically not great yet. Yeah, like you said, it looks almost like an old, um, you know, uh, pedal that, that has clips and straps that we're missing the straps on, uh, you know, yeah, aesthetically it's, it's problematic. And then the proprietary nature is, is problematic because I think, you know, I don't know where I can go buy a pair of Ecoy shoes. I mean, I mean, I, I I kind of want them because they're unique and they were banned by the UCI. It's like that's that's special. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar with with the basketball lore too much, but a pair of Jordans way back in the day were banned based on the colorway that was used. And they're kind of one of these synonymous pairs that is uh, iconic because they were just banned by the league. Uh, so I think anything banned is cool. I think. The story of how they were banned is hilarious. The team literally was lining up to start the race and UCI officials came by and 
they were like, you guys can't run these pedals. And they had the mechanics had to scramble and find other, other pedals and shoes. And I'm just picturing these riders running into some store somewhere and, and picking out whatever Louis Garneau is in the clearance section in there. I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating. I haven't seen any photos of what they ended up with, but there's, there's probably a fair amount of Velcro that, uh, that, that they were riding. Uh, the one thing I did want to note, because I mean, you guys are admittedly a fashion podcast. Um, how do we feel about the actual kits of this team? I think they're incredible. This Nice Metropole Cote d'Azur team, beautiful blue up top, basic black bibs. I mean, I don't know if you've actually taken a look, but I mean, they're, they're looking awesome. I think they're a continental team, so they're not exactly in the pro tour, but let's give them their flowers here, guys. Come on. How does the kit look them shouldering their bike on an entire stage of a road race? That's a good point. That's something that I kind of didn't think of. So this company, uh, Ecoy, the only reason I know them is because uh, they sponsor Israel Premier Tech. That's honestly the only way that they have come into my orbit. But I want to know who I have to pay $7,000 to to get these if Mike Woods and Derek G are riding them at the Olympics. That's that's a whole whack load of second places there. That's really impressive. <laughs> Mike Woods got fourth in the Olympics uh, last summer Olympics. So I just looked up the the team's kit. Yeah, you know what? Actually, eh, I don't know. They could have done more with the bibs, I think. But the the top, I do I do like the top. So you know what? Yeah, that's not so bad. I, it is very funny that they had to scramble to get new shoes. But I mean, let's be honest. Like knowing the UCI, they should have been prepared for that. They should have had like backup shoes and pedals ready to go when you're like introducing this uh, brand new thing. You know, it goes back to like that old dimple skin suit that Chris Froome used with Team Sky that, you know, immediately people were trying to say was unfair, blah, blah, blah. Like you got you to gotta be prepared. Apparently the team literally didn't have the go ahead from the UCI even to like go forward with this. So that was kind of partly partly on the team, partly on the the UCI. It just sounds like another blunder. That almost makes me respect it even more. Just being like not having the okay from the UCI, just doing it anyway and see what happens. I kind of like that. But as much as we love buying things on this podcast, the idea of having to like replace all of my shoes with a new pedal system or something as you know, as many of our listeners know, I've had quite the journey in finding shoes that fit me, which I'm actually, you know, I'm going to touch on that a bit more in into the canal for you'll see why. But yeah, the idea I'd had to just go through that again for a new pedal system is just not worth it to me. And again, just for aero gains, it it makes absolutely no sense. I'm just going to make a note here. It took Warren a whole 34 minutes to mention his feet. So I think that's an all time record. Congratulations. I do like to talk about my feet. It's true. And that, you know, without Tony here. I kind of could, I could, this whole, we should have done a foot episode. Wow. Yeah. We should have. You're right. Maybe next time. I was going to say, this is, uh, if we start getting off the rails, it'll get even worse if we're reviewing every Conti team's kit. I'm in. We'll be here for a couple hours. Let's Maybe do it the in. marathon episode. I'll do an entire episode about Conti team kits and then, and world tour. Yeah. Just like three or four hours, that would be. I mean, hey, I, I listened to Alex talk about watches last episode, and I mean, that was a good 20, 35 minutes. I mean, it was great. I'm here for it. Hey, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just fucking tossing bikes in the river, bro. Now it's time for our signature segment, Into the Canal. And for those who are new to the podcast that don't know, Into the Canal is we either 
uh, give a canal to something we don't like in the world of cycling, or we give a chameleon to the uh, to something we do like. And because Universal Alex isn't here, I don't have to talk about chameleon nude and all that crap that he loves to harp on so much. So anyway, we'll just go right into it. And I'm going to give the honor to uh, our, our guest host to go first today. So Jake, what do you got for us today? So I've been swimming around the canal now for a few days, just uh, poking around, seeing what's what. And just to kind of bring it back to, you know, tech, what we were talking about earlier, this may or may not be fashion forward, but it is something that is is getting increasingly more attention and it's really been bothering me. So the product that I want to throw into, into the canal, and there's many products, but we'll highlight one brand to call them out. It's the Velocomp Aeropod V5, uh, whatever that means. So, so basically picture this. Uh, it's a, I want to call it an apparatus of sorts in which you dangle off the front of your bike. I think it comes with um, some sort of basic cheap mount. And what it does is it actually in real time it measures how aerodynamic you are. So it does this in some way, to be honest, I don't care enough to actually look into it and figure out why, but all I'm picturing is being out on St. Clair West, riding around, watching some guy on his road bike, bend his elbows a whole bunch, get really low on his endurance geometry road bike in, in an effort to somehow make this number that's showing up, I guess, on his Garmin, I think it talks to your Garmin, to make this this coefficient go down like he's some physics professor. I mean, I don't really know why this for most people is so important. So I don't know anything about this, but are you describing like like truck nuts for Asos Man? <laughs> I mean, basically, it can be seen as that. And and I mean, I, I really buried the lead here because this product costs 500 US dollars. So this is not a product that is just you're going to go out and buy. Nick, for our no, uh, non-North American listeners, can you tell tell them what, because uh, there are many, tell them what truck nuts are? Oh, I apologize. Yeah, I grew up in, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, rural Canada. Truck nuts are a thing that um, rednecks hang off the back of their trailer hitch and it looks like I guess it looks like your truck has balls like I've never really thought this that, that critically about it but it honestly looks like a ball sack and, and to be honest like I, I've been on my fair share of group rides where if that saddlebag isn't adjusted properly you've basically got yourself a set of truck nuts on your bicycle right aren't they supposed to be bull balls I always thought that because I lived in Alberta for a very brief period of time uh, which again, for our non-Canadian listeners, that's sort of like, let's just call it the farming province. It's the Texas of Canada. Yeah, sure. And, and I think somebody told me they were bull balls and it's because, you know, there's the rodeo and all that. I could be wrong, but anyway, yeah, it's, it is just whether it's human or bull, it's just testicles hang off the truck. So anyway, <laughs> whether it's human or bull, you on your bicycle, that aerodynamic dongle is not going to help you anymore. You're better off going, paying for a bicycle fit, getting comfortable. And I mean, the, the other thing, not to rant too much, but when I read art, when I read reviews of this product, it sounds like there's a whole bunch of stuff that can actually mess up with your reading. So if you're riding along and a truck comes by you and it affects your draft, your numbers are all out of whack. So this is something that we've seen on the front of F1 cars over the years, we've seen in motorsports, which mm-hmm. I think there's some legitimacy there because they spend absolutely insane amounts of money on these things. But you and me don't need an Aeropod. So that is my canal. 
I'm pretty sure our friends over at Escape Collective have covered that, uh, specifically uh, Ronan McLaughlin, who's the like the arrow guy there, I guess. I don't know if it was at Escape Collective or uh, at Cycling Tips before. Anyway, I, if you want to learn more about it, I think he's talked about it fairly in depth, but it does look ridiculous. And yeah, it doesn't sound accurate. And But I for sure think I'm going to be seeing this, you know, somebody's going to be doing laps of High Park with that off the front or... If somebody brings it to a group ride, oh man. There's going to be that on the front of the bike and they're going to be doing, what is it called? Puppy paws now? Yeah. Is that what we're calling mm-hmm. it? Yeah. With the with the forearms, forearms on the bars, I mean, we're, we're in a new era. Yeah, those hoods are going to be at 55 degrees with the puppy paws. All right, Nick, uh, wh- what do you have for us this week? I mean, this is a bit on brand since I consider myself a photographer, but I would like to throw into the canal like how absolutely unhinged marketing photo shoots are getting for brands like it's like january you know talk about your team show the new kit and these are just getting like i feel like it's just been such a slippery slope with the with the blurry photos and the on-camera flash and i think we are maybe two seasons away from somebody doing all of their marketing photos with a game boy camera or like something like a huge like large format, you have the the hood that goes over your head, you know, you have everybody stand out in a field. Like, I don't know. And truthfully, I don't know what the answer is. I think maybe we just got to get back to the basics. But the one I think of specifically is is um, EF. I mean, God love them. They seem to do everything right. But their marketing photos at the start of the year, everybody just like seemingly hanging out in a hotel room that's too small. It's not even direct flash. It's like these weird ring lights you have, you know, the sort of half backdrop that's too small for the space. And that was kind of trendy a couple years ago. Um, I guess I'm throwing all of this in the canal, but I don't I don't know what the answer is. So maybe we've got to stay tuned to see what happens next. Yeah, this whole trend towards like, I don't know if calling it like hype beast photography is the, is the right thing is really weird. It's actually something we've been chatting with our friends at the Nero show about and we might uh be doing a bit of a, a a bit with them to talk about this kind of thing because yeah i i agree with you i don't it's who's it for like who is that appealing to you know like i maybe every the photographers are just bored or they're hiring non-cyclist photographers i'm not, I'm not really sure but yeah i i would agree with you there i just like that ef team photo shoot was just like what it reminds me of when Panormal and Trek, they have their cyclocross team. They were in a, a laundromat mm-hmm. last year, I think, uh, which was very funny. When we were down in Waterloo, Wisconsin for the Trek CX Cup, uh, and I honestly, I'm blanking on the type of photography, but for like $90, you could get yourself a, a, a photo of yourself that was technology from, what, 150 years ago? Nick, you'll, I mean, you'll know better than me, but... Tin type, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the photo is printed on a, a plate of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe we're two seasons away from that, you know, like it's it's sort of like giving like emo high school abandoned building photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, like you're going to show up to the tour and all the media is just going to be handed out these tin plates. I, I bet the only reason that that hasn't happened yet is because the reverse cycling boom and now brands just don't have the as much money to spend on marketing because that shit's expensive. <laughs> I mean, I will say that those Steve Tilford kits were fire. And I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, that photographer is really good. The guy who hangs around with Steve Tilford and does all that stuff, like love seeing his stuff. So, but I mean, yeah, it's just a slippery slope. That's the gateway drug, you know, the laundromat. Speaking of the Steve Tilford team kit that Panormal did, which I think 
we actually talked about on the podcast when it uh, last fall when it came out because I we were all pretty big fans of that. But I just realized I forgot to add it to the document. That's actually being released to the the public, uh, I think, on Valentine's Day. So it should be out by the time this uh, this podcast is live. We don't need to talk about it in detail, but I I just it made me wonder: Are all of a sudden the, the, all the like the panormal fans, the people who only wear panormal, are they all of a sudden going to become like cyclocross fans, or are they just it's just another kit for them to buy? Do you guys think? If the Phenoc skin suit costs seven thousand dollars, what does the panormal cyclocross skin suit cost? Like, what's the plus or minus on that? At least twelve hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is just amazing. That is so romantic. Like get your loved one the exact same thing that Curtis White wore racing to eighth place in the <laughs> national championship. Wow. <laughs> Ooh. It's true. I Shots mean, it, fired. It, listen, there's plenty of cyclocross couples out there who might want to spend the day, you know, playing in the mud in the Czech Republic. I mean, hey, like let's, you know, everyone's love is different. I'm going to go last. You know, originally... I was going to do sort of a negative canal and just canal all of the um, cycling fashion week hosts, past and present who aren't on this recording into the canal, but I'm not going to do that. Life's hard. They're, they're doing stuff. It's okay. I, I forgive them. Alex is probably on Zwift as we speak. I could pull up the app and I almost guarantee you that he is. Are you talking about Italian Alex? Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's on Zwift. I, I'd rather talk about something else. My feet. So <laughs> oh, God. no, I'm just kidding. I'm not actually going to talk about my feet, but it is related because it is about shoes specifically. And I'm going to do a canal that this might be a bit of a controversial take because I think it contradicts something from we, we've uh, been very uh, in favor of from the early days of this podcast, which are double boa shoes. I might have been in the first episode. We said double boa only for shoes. And, you know, they got to be white. They got to have the double boas. But I am throwing double boa shoes in the canal. And I'm going to do that for a few reasons. The reason it relates to my feet is because I've recently made the move to laced shoes because I've just found that is the solution to <laughs> cycling shoes that are comfortable for my feet. It wasn't necessarily I needed wide shoes. I didn't. I've literally either owned or bought and returned almost near almost every cycling shoe brand there is available in Canada. I'll, st- I'll step in there, and Warren has in fact bought and returned shoes from me from my store as well. So that is corroborated for sure. But I, I, you know, as much as I love to hate on Trek, I gotta, I gotta give the that warranty, the thirty day warranty window that Trek has, a lot of respect because they let you use the products for thirty days and return them. So I had those shoes for I think three weeks, didn't work for me, and I returned them. So anyway, and I didn't get fired. That is, that's the only company that does it. Everywhere else, it's basically a gamble to buy the shoes, and uh, you either have to make sure you're buying from a site you can return it or or just resell them on uh, online. Anyway, I, I've just found that lace shoes work for me. The first pair that I got that are good are the the uh, Specialized S-Works Torch Lace, I think they're called. And I got, of course, an all-white. And I got to say, they are very sleek. They are as white as white shoes can be because there's no knobs on them getting the way, just white shoes and white laces. So they're very clean, quite comfortable, very lightweight. If you care about that sort of thing, they're very breathable. And then recently, about a month ago, I bought a pair of Rafa classic lace-up shoes, also in white, uh, because in one of Rafa's many sales, they were heavily, heavily discounted. So I kind of bought them just 
on a whim just to sort of have a backup pair of shoes. And they are also quite comfortable for me. I think, you know, realistically, I think we should shout out, you know, the great Harvey Kennedy, who in England in on March 27th, 1790, invented the shoelace because this this take, I mean, shoelaces have been around for <laughs> hundreds of years. So, of course, shoelaces are, are better than boas. I mean, boas, I mean, those LI2 boas look pretty and it's like jewelry. You're bedazzling your feet. I get it. But I mean, yeah, of course, laces are good. That was me trying to say that I, I do actually think laces shoes generally look better that said there are like any like boa shoes there are just some ugly ass shoes out there and there are some ugly lace shoes so that that's like part of the reason i want to canal double boa shoes but the real reason i want to do it is because i think you know so many people out there when i'm riding in toronto which you know the weather's been quite nice so i've actually been riding outside a few times lately randomly but see so many people are you know they're when they're wearing like the highest end double boa shoes they've got the S works, whatever. They got the Shimano S fire and, and you know, the highest end stuff. It's the double boa full carbon. If you Google like boas versus laces online, everybody's saying boas are better. It's because of like, you can get them so tight for maximum power transfer and sprinting. It's like, you're not Mark Cavendish. I'm sorry. The difference between boas and laces, whether it's on a group ride or in an amateur race, like that's just not the difference between whether or not you're winning a race or not. You don't need double boas for performance reasons. If you just prefer them, that's fine if it works better for your foot. But I'm canaling them because I think a lot of people are wearing them because they think they're like the ultimate performance. And having ridden in lace shoes for over six months now, like I don't buy it. And I, I think I personally found when I had on my boa shoes, when I had them, I've actually gotten rid of, I think all of them now. I found I was constantly readjusting them throughout ride. And I get that's part of the appeal, but I think that's dumb now because with laces, I tie them at the beginning of the ride. And if you, you just spend, I don't know, five, 10 minutes when you first buy the shoes to figure out which lace setup works for you, you just tie it that way and your feet are good the entire ride and you never have to adjust your shoes at all. And your, you know, your feet can swell in the heat, blah, 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 whatever. And they just exp the laces expand with them. Universal Alex and Tony are gonna feel like they don't even know me anymore. But like I I don't know. I just I think double boas are in the canal. It's it's I'm all I'm all in for laces. I think it's so crazy that Jake stole my chameleon. I was going to shout out the guy who also invented laces. <laughs> wow, that's just such a coincidence. But also Jake being I just think this is just Jake's sort of apologist episode like Jake is putting together all the straps from all the broken boas to pull the that double boa out of the Lachine Canal right now. That's what he's doing. That's another knock against boas is it was in a in a cross race in Rochester last fall. Jake's boa exploded mid race. It's true. Hey, listen, and and I, I not to say I was there first, but I was there first. I had Giro Empires in 2015. Okay, like you're talking about you've had bow like laces for six months, and we all had laces since we were six years old. Like, come on, like so I I had a pair of lace lace up Mavic shoes three or four years ago. And I didn't like them, but I think it just turns out it's because they were like crappy low end shoes. And I know I just ragged on people on buying high end double boas and I've got the S works lace, but that's just because that's the only lace up shoes Specialized makes. I hope you got a sale on them. Uh, I got a slight discount. Not as much as I would have liked. They're, 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 they're expensive. I'd also like the record to show that the shoes I own now 
are the only shoes I've ever had with bows. It was all laces up until then. I, I didn't even have a strap. I didn't even have a strap when I was a young lad, you know? All laces. This is my first boa. But I will say that I don't give a shit about any of it. I'll, <laughs> I'll wear shoes with duct tape on them, you know? Haven't you? Oh, probably, yeah. I think that's what I had to do when I lost a boa in a race. And to your credit, too, like when you're racing mountain bikes, cross, whatever, and stuff goes awry, like those boas apparently are more fragile than than we want to give them credit for. That said, though, somebody found your boa, and I think you were able to reattach it, weren't you? Matisse did dig it out of somebody's something, and uh, it was back on my shoe, but after the race. And I mean, it was the whole, it was the difference between me coming in 32nd and 31st. It was It was appalling. I'd love to hear from uh, our listeners, like either shoot us a DM or comment on the post. I'm very curious if you think I'm full of it or maybe, maybe bows are a comfort thing, but I don't know, two dials with fucking wires, like they dig into your foot so hard. The one plus is they will send you, if you break a boa, boa directly will send you replacements. Although on the day of like, you know, that's a whole different, different ball game. Jake is just apologizing for shram and now he's like oh boa sends you free stuff everyone's gonna come into the store and buy a bunch of boa shoes from me i get it you know it's fair the guy who invented shoelaces is grease in one palm and then the boa guy has a gun to jake's head right now i can see him in the background i haven't even talked about the new sram that's just been released (laughs) and how good that looks the new sram red i mean we'll save that for another episode i think now time for the triumphant return of we rate your bike for free As a reminder, this segment is where we, the knowledgeable hosts of Cycling Fashion Week, rate photos of bikes that that are submitted to us by our listeners. And uh, today, we have a submission from John via Instagram. I'm not going to say his last name because I feel like we're not really clear on whether or not we're going to say somebody's name. But John uh, very nicely submitted uh, a, a bike to us little while ago but we're we're finally getting to it and he simply said long time listener first time caller and then just sent a photo of his bike now thank you john for sending the bike i will say uh for any listener who wants to submit their bike to be rated we do appreciate if you add any details about you know what uh group set you've got the wheels and that kind of thing it's just helpful anyway john did not do that but that's okay Uh, I'm going to do my best to describe it. And I feel like Jake's probably going to correct me on some things. John submitted uh, his CAD 9, Cannondale CAD 9. Uh, It is a a baby blue frame with some white accents. And it's rim brake, of course, because it's the CAD 9. That was before disc brakes really started to take hold of uh, road bikes. And with it, he has uh, some older zip wheels. And I say that is just the logo is just not massive yeah i don't know what they are they look i don't know maybe like a 35 mil maybe 40 mil depth yeah they look like they're carbon maybe carbon brake track even i'm not sure and then for the group set i'm not sh- i think that's that's the older shimano dura ace it's the silver crank which is that's actually when shimano group sets still look pretty good his chain looks really dirty. Uh, it looks like he's got a nice, tight, small cassette at the back. Um, his, you know, seat post, I think it's just the stock Cannondale, whatever, seat post. I think he's got a, looks like a either a Cell Atelier Pro Logo saddle that is interesting because it's pushed very far forward, but it's a set pack seat post. Uh, I think he'd be fine with just a normal seat post because how far forward is 
his uh, saddle is. The stem, yeah, it's almost slammed, but I think he's got about a 10 mil spacer under there and then pretty sizable chimney above that, which is unfortunate. And the stem also looks, I'd say, a bit on the short side, but it could also be the handlebars are turned in a bit. I'm not really sure. The, the handlebars themselves, they look really shallow, like the drops look shallow. I could be wrong. Again, maybe it's the angle of the photo, but they... I don't know, they almost look like gravel handlebars because of how shallow, like, they they look, they're kind of flaring to the side. I, I think I'm imagining that, but I don't know, something's off there. And then we've talked about this before, white bar tape. I am not a fan of white bar tape in general, just because how dirty it gets. I'll make an exception personally if it, like, it, uh you know, matches the bike really well. But unfortunately, even though the frame has uh white highlights, I don't really think it does work well here shifters man i don't know what's going on there i think those are shimano again i'll i'll let jake correct me if i'm wrong on that but probably the most i'm sorry john the most egregious thing about the submission is uh mismatching bottle cages and not only mismatching in color mismatching in i don't know brand but in model they're two different models whether it's the same brand or not i don't recognize them they might be a, one of them might be elite um, that would be my guess, but one is silver and one is the a baby blue that matches the bike, which is that's the right instinct. Do that. Have two of those. Don't have two. I, I would rather you went like CX style and just had one bottle holder here than have two completely unmatching bottle holders. It's just ugh, it, it's it really offends my aesthetic senses. And then he's also, you know. Tony loves to talk about how he doesn't care how you take your photos, but the chain's in the little ring. And it, I don't know, for a CAD bike, that's a crip bike, man. Like, put in the big ring. I love the frame, like the color. We're big CAD fans here on the podcast. Normally, a CAD uh, should be like an automatic eight, but because of these infractions, like the mismatched bottle cages, uh, the saddle that's on a setback seat post, but pushed far forward and the non-stand slam. Oh, and the white bar tape. Man, I think I'm going to have to rate this. It's going to, he's going to get a six because it's a CAD nine. Um, If it weren't a CAD nine, I think it would be lower. And I, I'm not going to deduct points for the, the weirdly shallow drops. Cause I feel like that just might be perspective of the photo, but yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think I'm going to give this CAD nine a six. What do you guys think? Firstly, obviously notice the bottle cages. I will say that that blue bottle cage just like absolutely slaps. Like if there was two of those on there, I think that'd be amazing. It just looks so good. Looks like, yeah, I mean, it just fits the bike pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, to to piggyback on positivity right now, because that's where we're at. Um, I do have to give our friend John here points for the Dure's 7800 crank. Again, not to get too techy and nerdy, but this is the first 10-speed crank that Shimano did. And I mean, if John had the wherewithal to have the, the rest of the group, this bike would be great. Um, but points on the crank, for sure. It looks great. And I think um, like one thing that could improve the aesthetic of this bike quite a bit is if you had the polished silver stem, mm -hmm. the polished silver seat post. Like I really think with that baby blue or that light blue, like that you know kind of thinking like limited edition grx like how it came back like it would just look super nice if you had some of those polished silver accents on it to go along with that crank but 
I mean, it it misses the mark with that mismatch, you know? Yeah, and, and to go back to the wheels, I, I will give points for them being somewhat uh, period correct. Um, however, if we are talking about composition, um, we've got to get those valve stems lined up, John. I mean, I don't know, I don't know who dresses you in the morning, but I don't want to see you walk out of the house if that's what your bike photo looks like. And also take off the, it looks like the front wheel has the like cover for the, you know, the, like the plastic cover for the valve. You got to toss those, man. You don't need those. Also, again, just to, to piggyback on a little negativity, I believe those are tubulars. I zoomed in enough that I saw a Vittoria Rally, which I, I believe is exclusively a tubular tire. And I mean, I'm sure you got a great deal on them, John. I'm sure they were they were fun. But I mean, the minute you you, you flat that thing and you walk 30K back to a bike shop, you're going to be hoping you put clinchers on there. So, I mean, that's, that's all I got, I got to say about that. I mean, aesthetically, beautiful wheels, beautiful tires points there i feel like um yeah i don't mind the frame but i feel like and this is like super um minute i think but this era of cad frame it kind of falls the fork falls between like a full swoop and a full straight and it's like this very bizarre in between and i honestly just doesn't do it for me you know like i think like i love obviously love straight blade forks you know and then this one just is kind of given like 90s swoop to me. Totally. And as you follow the fork up to that headset, it's that classic of the era Cannondale dust cap, which at the time, I don't think there was an alternative and it's something like 20 mil. So even slammed, this thing would look like a synapse. It would look completely upright. And um, I believe you can purchase aftermarket on, I think it's that website, like slamthatstem.com or something. That guy made specific like you know low profile dust covers for these bikes to make them look cooler yeah and i mean listen i didn't i didn't even go into the whole uh, 5600 105 10 speed shifters and derailers which i mean wow like it looks like your cables are too short i don't know how that thing shifts at least you got the silver brake calipers but i'll echo that the silver components would have made this thing pop mm -hmm. um you've got the beautiful pink tree behind it maybe shift it a little bit get a bit more pink i don't know i mean you know Sell, sell us a little bit more on this, John. Come on, man. I can't believe I forgot to mention the tires, which are tan sidewalls. So that is obviously that is the only tire choice we approve on this podcast. Points for that as well. I'll say this is coming in at a six, but I think with what's here, like it could be an eight and a half. I'm critical. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I agree. I mean, the, the tape needs to match the bar tape. I mean, white or black. Just put a white saddle on that. It'll look better. I'm coming in at a five. Sorry, guys. Wow. I'm coming in at a five. It is rim brakes, but hey, Jake's just making a statement in his first appearance on the pod. Just... What would the what would you give this if there was SRAM on there? <laughs> can we go more than ten? Like, can I say twelve? And what if it said Trek on the down tube? Listen, I mean, I, I know a, a a mainstay host on this show does have a, a Trek bicycle, and I'm I think me and him will will collab on maybe uh maybe our our admiration for that era of Trek. But yeah major points i mean all right that is it for this episode of cycling fashion week thank you uh, as always for listening and thank you to our guest hosts nick and jake for coming in this week and yeah i look forward to having one or both of you guys on again in the future thank you for sharing um your wisdom shilling for shram and and big boa as always uh you can follow us on instagram at cycling fashion week you can send us an email at 
cyclingfashionweek at gmail.com. You can also message us on Instagram, DMs, uh, through uh, the link in our bio. We get, I think we get emails that way. I don't know. And also, we always forget to mention this, but there's also show notes on every episode where, you know, if you're curious about what we're talking about and we don't have a photo up on Instagram, there's there should be links down in the show notes below. Uh, also, just a quick note, you screwed up on uh, the Lantern Rouge uh, shout out. It's actually the Lantern Rouge, not we are the Lantern Rouge, just just to make sure we maximize our followers. Oh, but yeah, thank oops. you. Thank you for having uh, myself on. And I look forward to potentially being asked to be invited to come back at some point down in the future. Thank you very much. I'm going to send the file to Tony and Universal Alex when we're done recording. And then maybe this won't even make it to air. Who knows? I am just excited to see the Wikipedia page for truck nuts in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We will uh, be back soon with another episode of Cycling Fashion Week. Take care.